Would you care to step outside? What are you doing to this? Superman. I'm sorry, honey. You are here. The lasso of Hastia compels me to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC on RMD. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD. I am Michael Flores, and this is the Superman and Lois edition. Today, I am back in studio, and everyone's here, David and Steve. Hey, guys. Hello, everybody. Yo. It's been a while, it seems like, since we've all been together in the studio doing this show. I was hoping we were were all going to be able to sync up for the last, you know, quarter of the episodes, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, I couldn't answer you from the Phantom Zone. Yes. Is that where people with COVID and HIV go? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's just start with the big one here. Okay. Let's not even, no foreplay. Let's just jump right in. The question I want to pose before we get too far is a very simple one. Okay. Did we just get a death of Superman story without the actual death? We did. And how do you feel about that? Does it feel like it works? Because I'm, I mean, I, I like the idea. And I know our longtime listeners will know that we've, we've been talking about this for quite some time. Um, because if you're familiar with the Death of Superman era, it's hard to miss the multitude of inspirational elements that have been sprinkled by way of the narrative for the past two seasons. Yeah. And when we have John Kent or Jordan Kent as Superboy, we have John Irons as Steel. We have Tal Rowe filling in for some role and then Natalie now, which is officially becoming her actual, the actual DC character she's based on, which is uh, Natasha irons, Natasha irons. Yep. So we are there. They have the setup. Yep. I overall, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited. They pulled the rug out from under us again and giving this to us because I did not expect to get the death of Superman story quite like this. And for me as a Superman fan, I felt like it worked. Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I, I mean, no issues with that whatsoever. If they were going to retell in a different way, the death of Superman, I thought that the way the writers handled this one gave it a fresh spin. I mean, they they had no choice. Uh, it, you, after what we saw with Batman V Superman, and the Snyder verse and all that, like mm-hmm. this is the only way you could you have done could that have done it and still been fresh and unique. And otherwise you're just rehashing what people have already seen already before. Snow. And it, not that that was done exceptionally well in regards to that story arc. Again, they adapted it to tell the story that they were telling or he was telling, yeah. I guess I should say, but for the story that this this writing department is telling, using the source material for inspiration, I think they've kept us on our toes. We've gotten the stories that we grew up with, but refactored in a way that's yeah. not beat for beat from the page. Oh, yeah. And, you know, as a fan, I thought 
the elements that they gave us have been great. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're paying some kind of homage to the Death Superman storyline, they kind of got the the essence of what that storyline is about. Yeah. It's about, you know, Superman going through a different cycle in his quote unquote life. Now, as a fan, I'm like, I, I kept thinking to myself after I watched the episode, I'm going, okay, I like it and everything, but you know, are they going to bring in stuff more from the death of Superman story? Like cyborg Superman, you know, well, is that going to happen they, or yeah. And they may have to, again, in a yet another unique way because his quote unquote death in this is essentially him becoming more bizarro like aesthetically. And he's now in, in the hospital. We have to assume all is lost. His powers are gone. And so we have Natalie, who's a whiz bang genius in the tool shed. She could construct a pseudo half suit for him and he could end up being our cyborg Superman. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Just to give him powers because he can't fight. Look, it's going to take more of them coming together to take on Allie. Yeah. And And especially, especially to me, the easiest way for them Superman wise to deal with Allie, especially when you're dealing with a character like Parasite, one of the tried tried and true methods in Superman mythology is Superman dons a hazmat suit of some kind to take on take on Parasite every single time because for those for for the fans of the Superman mythos, everyone knows you cannot allow Parasite to touch you. Hmm. It's similar to like what Allie is right now. You can't let Ellie near him, near you or else she'll just take your life force Yeah, away. he tried and look what happened. And look what happened, yeah. So I want, I'm wondering if they're going to design a suit for him by the season finale for him to fight Ellie. Yeah. Because it's good. Just like you said, I don't think they're going to let John Irons save the day. Although I think it'd be cool. I mean, John Irons is, has been a well, badass. <laughs> I mean, he can't because his suit isn't what Natalie's suit is in terms of the uh, ability to basically be indestructible. But if she can construct something that at least is halfway protective of Clark and they all take them on together, hell, uh, what if we get, uh, you know, Bizarro Jonathan back in the fold? You could get a little team, a little justice team to take this on. Honestly, if they do have the penultimate battle in the last episode and and Superman actually, quote unquote, fully dies as a season finale and she's still taken out, mm-hmm. then you still get yet another depth to that death because they can bring him back season three at the beginning and then you get your your um, funeral for a friend, you know, for and, a friend or, and, you know, whatever. Rebirth of Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems like we're all on the same page because I dig everything you guys are saying, your speculation. I'm hoping some of it comes true. I mean, it sounds enticing just as a Superman fan, but keeping with the whole Superman fan perspective, I just want to add that if we were going to get a death of Superman, ultimately, I am glad that this is how they're doing it. Because Mm -hmm. just to reiterate, as you had said a few moments ago, Steve, We've been there. We've done it. We've seen Doomsday. And I'm not not to say we shouldn't see him again or at some point in Superman and Lois, but to have that entire 
we know what's going to happen. The moment Doomsday's introduced, we know what's going to happen. So why not do what the these writers seem to do best? Pull back the curtain, and then suddenly we realize that we are in fact watching a story that's uh, that's been leading to the death of Superman. Do you guys realize? Even- you guys realize that basically this entire production team behind for two seasons. The thing I came to realize, they have this weird knack and gift of taking our villains and just twisting them in a certain way. Just enough. They're, they're just enough. That's different. They did it with Zod. That was not predictable. Yeah, that, that's yeah. not predictable. Zod, Bizarro, we got Parasite because that was that. that's who Allie is. Allie is Parasite. And well, well, Lois said it again. They keep using her. And uh, as a way to to voice the names of these things, when she mentioned bizarre at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the season, and then in doomsday. this episode she said, "Allie's a parasite." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, or it, even when she does the doomsday, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. tease, it, it was hilarious. It, it's like I love that ov- ongoing gag. It's over and subtle at the same time that <laughs> a fan will get it, and and they see the wink, wink without the wink, wink. But what I appreciate, you know, just thinking about all the different shows that we cover on the network or even that we watch outside of the network. This is one of those shows where we've hypothesized, we've seen puzzle pieces falling in place. We've been able to predict things because of what we do as a group and and how we cover these things. But a lot of other shows out there don't have that same ability that I'm watching where anticipation Oh yeah, thinking I know what's going to happen, and then being surprised. Well, think about this show just has so much in that regard. Think about also the world building that this team has done. I mean, they've alluded to so many characters, but have not brought them in fully, and yet they've made. I know everyone keeps saying, "Oh, this is the Arrowverse." No, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "Going Superman." It's the Superman verse. Well, hold on. Let's pump our brakes on that just a bit because. I'm hoping you're right, Dave, that, or I guess we have been right, that this isn't the Arrowverse, but whatever's happening, and the reason why I'm stopping you, Dave, is because this bleeds into multiple other conversations, where the story is going, what they're doing, are we in the Arrowverse, what's going to happen in the season finale that leads into uh, season three, all four of those questions are actually going to be answered in the season finale. Yeah. It's only going to be a matter of time before everything becomes clear. Uh, Todd Helbing, I believe is the name of the showrunner. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. recently shared some information via an interview. And he said that everything has been working towards a reveal in a big way at the end of the season, specifically the finale. And he says the finale is said to answer uh, is set to answer many of the long gestating questions <laughs> that the Arrowverse fans have had since the show's premiere. So for example, the show's cosmological ambiguity has continued to frustrate some of these Arrowverse fans, as we have discussed, and the answers are supposed to be twofold. A, what the story is working towards. I should say fourfold. Uh, B, how does the series and its story work within the context of the larger DC multiverse arena? So apparently the answer to are we in the Arrowverse is directly connected to the storyline that we are dealing with right now with Allie and her ability to bring Merge universes worlds. together. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, how meta is that? That's actually kind of fucking cool that they're going to tell the fans, answer the fans 
whether or not the so-called Arrowverse is something that we are currently inhabiting. It's kind of neat how it's he neat. has it worked out and planned. But at this point, Mike, that's a tall order. That's a big order. Yes. They've earned my trust. I, that, I couldn't say it better because they have. Every time we get down on this show, the next episode makes it all better. <laughs> yeah, but our down it moments, it's not like we've been down. It's not down. even down. It's not yeah. like it's, it was with Flash or Arrow no. or any yeah. of those shows. This Our down episodes were like, well, I wish you know this one thing. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's the, that's the, that is another thing that's been amazing for this show, which I'm very happy with because ever since the beginning of the show, I've always, I've been always hesitant because I'm like going, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Just like what you, you alluded to Steve is like yeah, when th- you were is, dealing with this, this is too good. This it's is too, too good. good. Yeah. They're going to fuck it up. And I'm like going every time, the only time I would say that I've been let down by this, by the show was when we did the Diggle episode. When Diggle showed up and it was, it was uh, directed by, by Diggle by Diggle. And we all agreed it was the worst episode of the entire two seasons. Of the entire two seasons. Yeah. But he also directed an episode this season, which I believe all of us gave the rave, highest score. Rave reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So well, he learned a lesson just to put a little, <laughs> uh, let's put a little pin in the Diggle thing because we're going to be talking about him during the season finale. Spoiler. Fuck man. Yeah. He's, he's supposed to make an appearance. So we'll see what they do with that. As Green Lantern. <laughs> they got oh. to do something. Doesn't he have a show that's supposed to come out next year? Or, or was that killed? I thought it was killed, but maybe I'm wrong. I think it was killed. But okay. especially, of course, I don't know if anyone's been watching Flash lately. No, please. <laughs> oh. I can't. But oh. I, I turn they, off they, the they kind of answered. They kind of answered that whole John Diggle is Green Lantern in their quote unquote finale. And it, it did not go well. <laughs> really? Go, well, in my opinion, it didn't go well. Oh, I don't okay. know what. Well, I don't know what the. Why CW are you fans. still watching the Flash, Dave? That, that's the bigger question. Well, Mike, I was in COVID, and, oh, okay. and I needed something. I needed something. You know, Dave, it's because of people like you that that show got renewed. <laughs> <laughs> I needed something. Uh, there's, there's literally. Millions of other shows. I would rather watch a turd melt on a hot summer day. <laughs> oh my God. And, and I hate to say it, Steve, but the whole allure was the fact that I saw the clip with Diggle actually facing Thor, uh, um, Eobard. And then basically you see the green light. And then they answered the whole thing. And I'm, afterwards, I'm going, this was not worth it. <laughs> they, they got you. Yeah. yeah, they got me. They got me. Whatever happens, I just hope the series, my two cents here to end this topic, I hope this series remains its own thing. I do too. The, the show has managed to carve out its own independence and free itself from the sludge of the CW produced content. And I'd hate to see this show get weighed down by useless excess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's needless baggage. And the show would not benefit from it. No, it stands perfectly fine on its own with as much as I love connected universes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of them too. It stands completely on its own, just fine with zero connections. Yeah. And if they want to create their own thing, their own connected universes, like they've been doing, then that's fine. But to connect it to a, a 13 year old TV show at this point, I believe that's how now not 13. 13. Holy shit. 10. No. 
Yes. I believe it's 10 is years. It? Yeah, I believe, is I believe it 10 Arrow since premiered. Arrow started? Yeah. Wait, you're right. 2012. 2012. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. So It has been 10 years. Yeah, there's wow. no benefit to that at this point. Connecting a brand new show to a dying universe, essentially. <laughs> a dying universe. <laughs> All right, so as we've stated, Superman was nearly killed by Allie Alston, and we are left to believe that he's essentially human, that he's been depleted of his Kryptonian powers. Now, not to be an overly technical doucher here, but I'm going to rely on you guys to answer me a few questions. Like I see, okay. Michael. Um... <laughs> the question to me, okay, with most of Superman's injuries, mm-hmm. once he's exposed to Earth's sun, he's typically... He typically regains his strength and abilities. Yes. So isn't it a matter of waiting then? Because Ali doesn't have the ability to alter his genetic code. It's It's only a mat. It's only a matter of time before he recuperates, right? It's different though, because if they're going with the idea of truly making her parasite. Right. And I thought she just depletes power and absorbs it. Parasites more than that. Okay. And like every time, Superman has ever faced Parasite. And that's why I've always stated Parasite is probably top two most dangerous villain for Superman. Because Parasite's power is essentially he's doing more than just sapping, you know, the energy out of someone. He's draining the life essence out of them. So that's like my job. (laughs) Pretty much everyone's (laughs) job. But that's why I really like the fact that they drove it home that he he's that badly damaged because if they didn't do that, I would, I'd be like going, no, 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 no. That's not how parasites supposed to work. You mean they can't just wheel his gurney out into uh, the sun and put no. him under a magnifying glass. That's, that's exactly why, what I was like. Well, we already have seen this. So I want explanations. Well, that's why on every- Allie's a power, because I was, um, I was under the impression that parasite just simply simply absorbs your power and it will make you weak momentarily or kill you if she absorbs too much like we've seen. But I, I did not know she she has the ability to essentially turn Superman. We saw it, Mike, with uh, what's his name in the other dimension, the other world. Well, yeah, yeah, she killed Talro by sucking his His life life force. But did he turn human at the last minute? Like that's probably he he turned into a corpse. That's my point. So, like I said, what did I say at the beginning? I don't want to be an overly technical doucher. She has the ability to change the genetic code of a Kryptonian. It doesn't matter about the Kryptonian code. It's the actual life essence. You got to remember also. They're de- a parasite, depending on like how they explain it and the way that I've seen it throughout the season, this parasite's more tied to the alley in the comics where it's more magical based, which is even more dangerous for Superman because you're dealing with that medallion, whatever that medallion yeah, yeah, yeah. is, right? The pendant. And the way I've always seen it is that's not normal. That's I think that's magical based. Yeah, I'm just being... So, Way too technical. And here. especially especially with Tal Ro, the way I saw that was there was no escape for Tal Ro. He was stuck there. Yeah. So as soon as, she, as soon as she, quote unquote, drained him, there was no stopping her. With Superman, yeah. at least there was, at least someone came to save him. No one came to save Tal Ro. Tal Ro was screwed. He was screwed. Yeah. He, he, he got, was screwed from got, the get-go. He got sucked off. All the way. And the thing you got to remember, too, as a Superman fan. <laughs> we could only fan, be so lucky. <laughs> the thing you got to remember as a Superman fan, every time Superman comes across Parasite, 
what does he usually have to do? He has to don some kind of containment suit. I think I might've said this at the beginning of our season two discussions. I'm familiar with parasite, but I'm not familiar with storylines. Usually the storylines, like I, I'm just not, I don't know how, I don't know how that's even possible, but I just, because the storylines for parasite are pretty simple. So David just said something now, granted she didn't have her pendants, mm -hmm. right? She didn't have both of them. But if we back the, the the Kent family truck up a minute, um, Bizarro Superman came through wearing a containment a suit. A containment suit. So that's why I thought to myself, that is probably why Bizarro had the containment suit. Because he looked like hell, obviously yeah. having gone. Oh. Because he, well, that explains why. The, remember, I, look, look, they did it again, Steve. I, I, I don't. Do you remember eight episodes ago? I said I do. Well, eight, how exactly. come Bizarro looks like Bizarro, but the rest of the people from his universe they because, didn't get sucked off by Allie. Uh, and you gotta remember, maybe that is what we happened. Did see, yeah. We did see. A we had assumed it was the drug abuse. Yeah, right. That's what we had assumed. We assumed, but we just saw the initial confrontation between Allie and Bizarro Superman. We don't know what the outcome was. Right, and 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 but with Clark. We saw him starting to become the bizarro. bizarro, and it wasn't from two uh, worlds wow. merging. Yeah. Okay, he had the physical uh, blemishes and whatever on his skin. Where is that suit, by the way? Because I have a feeling it's going to come back into play. I think it got wrecked when I think it got wrecked. during during the because fight. remember when he fought when Superman or when Clark fought Bizarro, he cracked the helmet. Yeah, eh, nothing and, that Natalie can't fix. No, that's true, and that's why I was like thinking to myself. The finale has to be now. I don't know. God, I love if, this show. I love how everything comes together. I don't know if like I'm not used to it. Yeah, I don't know if Clark can. If he doesn't have any powers, even if you get Clark into the suit, what is he going to do? He can't do anything. Yeah. However, yeah. say for example, we have Jordan. Unless he does get his power back slowly, he's weakened. He's weakened, but I don't know if, how they're going to oh, play it off. Oh, wait a minute! You just. You just touched on yet another possibility. If Clark is incapped and whether he's just in the hospital yeah. or dies on the, on the gurney, Jordan can wear Natalie's suit, which exactly. is, it was originally designed for, for that Jonathan. Oh, maybe that's what's going to But happen. if we get Bizarro Jonathan in to help, then oh. you essentially will have like, yeah. All of them. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know if Jordan can fit in that suit, though. I don't he's know. pretty tiny, He's, he's kind of chubby, I don't though. know if, I don't know if Bizarro Jonathan's going to help. In Something just tells me. Maybe, maybe he will turn a new leaf. Oh. They did open the door for that possibility again. Because Clark, when he was talking to John in this episode, he had said that something about not losing faith in him or the other John. Yeah. Right. That you guys are both just kids. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to trying to do the best with what you've been given. Yeah. So Allie Olsen is hopped up on Superman power and she has <laughs> the ability to enter the void between universes and force them to merge. Now, this is something that I was. I wasn't overly thrilled with for story purposes. You know, I suppose it's OK, but I felt like that scene was probably one of the most cheesiest moments in all of Superman and Lois. <laughs> I, in, I will in all of <laughs> most comic book cinematic things we've seen that being said if it wasn't her 
pulling two universes together because it's like where were you at where were you floating where were you floating where were you floating that you saw these two points of okay universes? i think because i had the original i had that that was another problem i had but then i thought about it and if you remember when they fly through the portal they're in a void yes and they fly they see both earths as they fly through that little now, portal was that void like the accretion disc of a black <laughs> hole like that's what i'm assuming i'm assuming that's also now the the void has never been introduced as I as far as I know in the Arrowverse as of yet, but they also used it at the beginning of the season with Natalie. That's where she was. Yes. Yeah, you're right. She was in a void between universes. Yeah, and I if just, they go if, if they're gonna go with the explanation in DC Comics, it makes sense because I'm not saying it that David makes sense to me. I don't think it doesn't make sense, and I understand her abilities and her powers. To me, the scene, the way it was set up, I, it Fact. felt yes. really OP to show us a scene where Alston is physically merging the universes. And it looked and is stupid. stupid. I mean, think about how this was written on paper, okay? Exterior void yeah, yeah, between yeah. universes night, Allie enters scene. Using her powers, she lassos the Earth and pulls them together. And, and here's the sad part. Here's the sad part, Mike. You, from what you just said, right? It's straight out of a comic. And so I was just going to say, because the way it was framed and shot, yeah, that's a two-page spread. It's straight out of comic because they did it just recently in DC. Oh, okay, well, David, so. and I knew you were going to defend this because you're a comic book junkie. Yes, I am. But it's one of those things that we all say. It may work in, may a, comic work in book, a comic book, but, but it, that doesn't mean it's going to translate to live action yes. without a snicker and an eye roll. And I, I agree. I agree. You know what, though? Uh, so... That's what I was going to say was it, as silly as it was uh, conceptually or like you said, uh, Mike, on the page, on the written page, <laughs> visually, it still was cheesy. It still yes. was cheesy. But as a comic book reader and fan, fan it, you it almost looks like, like a two page spread. Exactly. But, you know, to your point, Mike, about some things don't work well. I mean, look, we saw Howard the Duck. Well, the problem, <laughs> the problem that I felt. That's During true. the whole thing at the end of that was like, it looked really cheesy and live action wise, but I had to tell myself, well, comics, when they did this, they made this grandiose, you know, like two page spread of the villain or villainous yeah. who's perpetua just standing there in the background, holding the universes and then bringing them together and visually them cheesy while still clever and and engaging at the same exactly. time as a comic book because fan. it's art yeah, because yes, you could do it, was, it with art it was visual art i mean and i wish i wish they would have actually done it more psychic as more psychedelic more psychedelic yeah because if they did it psychedelic mike then you yes. can actually get the like, concept i know there he wasn't involved in it but like give it some of the kirby crackle exactly and, the kirby and, crackle and yeah. do all that stuff instead they just tried to make it more live action yes. and i was like going man if if only someone went in the, was in there saying that visually this makes sense for all us comic book fans but Live action wise, it just looks really stupid. It, it went. I think a lot of it has to do with the the. It's not just the actual act of lassoing the earth, but also the just the lack of budget as well. I'm sure. Perhaps it would have looked yeah. better if they had a bigger budget, and they didn't even try to do any hiding of 
the cheap effects. Yeah. Which well, is- I mean, those cheap effects, Mike, uh, you know as well as I do, you can buy those in bundles for After Effects <laughs> and for uh, a number of different yeah. apps. I mean, I see the ads on and Instagram the, all the, the time. Part, yeah. The sad part, Mike, is when you think about it, I was watching the scene and I'm like going, I've seen more abstract, crazier scenes when me and you have covered shows like Doom Patrol. Right. Right. And they do it fine there. They do it fine because they because they, the absurd the, works. The in absurd that show. Yeah. works, and they use make it psychedelic. Well, we yeah. weren't going to get multiverse of madness level visual effects <laughs> visual in this. Effects. That Why? wasn't going to happen because that would cost a a, a lot of monies. <laughs> but All if you right. think about it, they did it in Doom Patrol rather cheaply. Well, but because their visual effects, they can get away with doing the most silliest of things because it's written to the show. Yeah. It's part of its DNA. So it works. Okay, so let's change topics here. Lucy Lane wins the stupidest dummy award for her excellence in fucktardness. Okay. I mean, <laughs> thank you. What thank a you. worthless person. So I loved her so much when we saw her in in uh, the previous incarnations of that character. This the way she was written pushed this story forward as it needed to be told right. yes. from a cult writing writing wise fine it works i understand cultist mentality right it yes but just her, her. i fucking hate her <laughs> i was like you were a totally different character when i saw you previously in another incarnation of you this was not you this it her character was out of character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed it. There has to be consequences for her actions. She is single-handedly responsible for the attempted murder of both Superman and her father. If this is allowed to go unchecked, I will be actually a bit upset. I was hoping there was going to be consequences. And then general lane wakes up and he pats his daughter's hand as if all well, is forgiven. I mean, having a character like this works to stir the pot. And create conflict, but typically there's a lesson to be learned, and the lesson has to be tough. Yes. So she, she, you could see it in her eyes and in her reaction. I think she realized she screwed up big time. Oh, yeah. um, because General Lane didn't look like he was going to come to, and then obviously Superman is boobard and did flatline and was brought back. I just hope Lois doesn't forgive. No, I, Her sister. I disagree. And here's why. Go, leading up to this, she felt Lois had always hated her her whole life. And if Lois were to make that reality because of her behavior and what happened to dad and to her husband, then it would actually justify her feelings towards Lois her entire life. But it also would be kind of like her her comeuppance too. And perhaps it would validate, it would validate Lois though, if they did do it because this whole time Lucy Lane is an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I get Lois knew what it it has to show is (laughs) we saw her realize she, she even verbalized that she made a mistake. And I think this is an opportunity for Lois in this moment where she almost lost her father and we don't know what's going to happen to her husband, a moment of forgiveness to really solidify that you're my little sister. I've always cared about you. I've always tried to do the right thing by you of raising you. Um, but I forgive you. That's the ultimate the, right there. But okay. the forgiveness. All right. forgiveness. Yes. Okay. So let's l- let me reword 
my feelings on this. So I wouldn't have an issue with Lois forgiving Lucy, but perhaps they should give us a moment where she says, you're my sister and I love you and I forgive you, but I cannot be in your life at this yeah. moment. Because, oh, absolutely. Because what she did is awful. Well, that's why she, that's... she gave up the goods, man. She pulled <laughs> out the, the fucking I know. thing I know. and had a smirk on her face. I can get him here. And that's the thing. And then when she comes to the realization and yeah, so, that's the whole thing. So let me frame this in a way that's contextualized against the backdrop of our current political environment. <laughs> Because, oh God, there's, here we go. because there's an analog here. There's a, there's a, 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 a metaphor that, that's being told yeah. quite openly, right? Of a cultist-like right. figurehead and a cultist-like ideology that's spread through our society. Mm-hmm. And so how many families have already been fractured and divided because some family members are pro and some family members are like, what the fuck is wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? If those family members that were once pro see the light, whatever causes them to see the light and go, I made a bad uh, judgment call here of who I decided to be for in this political environment. I made a mistake. What you can't do as the family member that's been trying to influence and persuade them and make them understand and see the light what you can't do is then go, see, I fucking told you so. You will get the opposite reaction you've always been striving for. Okay. Well, that's no, why I like. Do, let me say this because I get your point. But mm-hmm. now, and I actually kind of agree, but just to be, you know, a doucher here and devil's advocate. <laughs> let's say, let's put some more real world into this scenario. Okay. And uh, please, no one misconstrue what I'm about to say as siding with any one political belief. Let's say you are you are liberal Democrat family A, and you have a sister who's Republican, whatever B. Okay, yeah. Your sister, Republican B, was at the January sixth protest. Okay, that turned a little crazy and became a riot, and then an infiltration into the Capitol building. Where, let's say, Republican sister A, or B, sorry, in the wildness of her riot and protest into the Capitol building, she accidentally killed a cop. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes the error of her ways. Well, gravely injured, because if killing, then that that, there's a legal Yeah, gravely injured, okay? And then she suddenly realizes, oh, oh, man, I can't believe I, I did this. I can't believe how blinded I was. Hey, family, can I come back and, and be a part of your family, even though I told you I hated you and I was going to go and, and, and protest at the Capitol building? Well, sure, we love you. We're glad you're back. But not all as well. You were literally responsible the, for the death, the near death of a police officer. I think the way you have to handle it in either the the real situation in which you just described, or the fictitious. I'm probably gonna take that out. It's too. That's too <laughs> no, no, I th- no, 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 no. I think, no, I think, I think it's you a have good. To, it's it's a good example. It's actually. a good example. Whether it's the fictitious or the reality, um, the way you have to approach it is, you made mistakes. You have now come to understand or appreciate the 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 severity of that mistake. Of your actions. Of your actions. 
and we forgive you for being uh, led astray. You were susceptible for whatever reason to falling victim to that belief that you held so tight. You've now noticed that you made mistakes and we don't hate you for that, but it's going to take time for us to earn trust back with you. And you have to pay and you have to pay for your actions. Yes. Now that goes right back to what I said at the beginning. That's all I want. I don't think, (laughs) I don't think Lois needs to be some meanie Bobini and turn her back on her sister, but also she needs to stand firm with her sister at this point, because she has been so patient. She has been, I mean, God damn that woman's patient. (laughs) I mean, if my sister or brother were talking to me like that, Day in, day out, I would just be like, "Listen, I love you. Come find me when you're fucking not so angry. I Hammer can't fist. deal with this Hammer shit." Fist to fist. And, and I think you know, General Lane really uh, enlightened us as an audience um, as well. You know, she she was doing the best that she could after their mother skipped out on them as a child raising a child. I mean, Lois even said, "I was yeah. I was a kid raising a kid." Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't neglect that reality that that's a hard upbringing to have for either of them. Yeah. So it's, it's not as simple. That's, that's a very unique, complex dynamic. Yeah. And that's well, why the episode was good. Yeah. It is. Because it is very complicated. It's very complicated. That there really isn't a right and wrong necessarily when it comes to a situation like that, or I should say with the, with the situation that Lois and General Lane are now faced with in the aftermath of Lucy's silly mistake. Well, yeah. and we saw somewhat of a similar situation happening with Lana and Kyle and 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 uh, Sarah, right? With with what happened with him taking her to the bar in the last episode and mm-hmm. her playing and then Lo- uh, Lana finding out and being upset, like, why are you taking to her bar? And it's okay, <laughs> like the other... Like, there's some complexity of the family dynamic going on there. And I think mm-hmm. both of those, while vastly different, the similarity is you have these complex, layered family issues yes. that all families have. And at the end of the day, the only way that you get through or past them is through dialogue and building an empathy and an understanding Under- with one understanding. another. You know what's the amazing thing, too, is like the thing I re- realized after this episode. When we first started this, this sh- doing this show covering the first seasons, one of the things I was terrified of was seeing the family drama because it might ruin the entire show. But in fact, after this episode, I'm solidify, uh, I'm, I'm solid, solidly behind the way that they write their family drama because it feels real. It's not 90210. It's not, it's not, it's not cheesy. It's no, not it's cheesy these are all. very... Real, they they contextualize very real situations that people every day deal with. Yeah, in a way that's still somewhat lighthearted, so you can disconnect and be entertained, mm-hmm. but just real enough to resonate with you as an audience and draw those parallels to things like the political, political. environment or you know f- families breaking up because of a cheating spouse, spouse or whatever. Everything. It, it's, it's really quite smart. That's why that one scene where General Lane wakes up and then it's a brief tender moment. I liked it because like, I'm like going, no, this whole season that's been General Lane's whole story arc is the fact that he loves both of his daughters 
and he he wished that he could have been a better father and brought his two daughters together. They could have been a perf- better family. Well, he had to climb that career ladder. He was too busy. He had to cur- climb the career ladder, and it cost him. Well, listen, someone's got to pay the bills, okay? Yeah. But, like, in the very end, even though all the stuff that Lucy has done, that is still his daughter. So even when he wakes up and in a weird sort of way still forgives her. I'm more like Al Pacino from Godfather 2. You know, you would Fredo. <laughs> you would smack him. I love the you. Fucking boat. You're my brother and I love you. But don't you ever go against the family. Yeah, and then you put him on a boat. And, and then you- I go over to David and say, hey, David, nothing happens to her. Nothing happens to him until after mother dies. <laughs> after mother dies. Take him fishing. <laughs> yeah. Fucking best scene ever. In oh, it is. <laughs> it is so, it, it's so dark. Yeah. All right. So with Superman out of commission, it clears the stage for some of our other soups to spread their wings. Jordan Kent, for one. Uh, this specific addition, I would say, to this week's episode was the biggest highlight for me. The writers managed, and I love this feeling, that classic superhero aesthetic where we experience the thrill and excitement with the protagonist as they discover their abilities. You know, Superman training Jordan, him falling through the... Absolutely incredible. I, I, I just loved it. <laughs> that Dude, was awesome. I had hair standing up on yeah. my arm, like literally watery eyes because it's like those... It was exciting. It was exciting. And you're seeing a father-son yeah. moment that's very special the most special because he's training him how to be a a superman and then to have that little nod to star wars was was <laughs> great for the us star wars geeks right yeah um yeah just what a what a special tender awesome moment i that's something mm-hmm. that this show keeps doing really well my favorite thing in superhero movies is when they can create that excitement to where you feel what possibly the protagonists themselves are feeling. Like, and I always point to the very first Spider-Man, Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. When he first learns how to web swing mm-hmm. and he just does that yelp because he's super excited that he's got it. Yeah. And then the music starts. You, you were there with him. You oh, yeah. feel it. So it's cool. It was an excellent scene. It was. Um, the visual effects weren't great. I, I, it was actually probably awful, but for that scene, you mean for them in the whole snow thing, was just, yeah, it was it, so it, dude, they weren't even, it was very green screened. <laughs> you could tell they weren't even, um, graded. No, into the color the grading was, was not you well can, done. You can fix a good 60% of those problems by a better grade. You know how it, else you can fix it, Mike? By not doing it? No, you just project it on a large format screen, um, like a movie theater. Because I've just been watching, rewatching Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. and there is some horrendous in 4K. How dare you? How dare in 4K, you? because you can see, no, you can see, the, see details. the details and the color the grading, and they use blur in a lot of elements to. Well, you gotta understand that was back in the day. I, I understand it's they were aged. testing. The, I, I, it's aged. I understand, and they were testing the digital CGI waters more than ever with digital characters character creation but a lot of that was hidden when projected on a movie theater on a screen not at 4k and so now again i noticed that with this scene Mm -hmm. and i just thought in that scene in particular god if they would have just been able to use the volume um (laughs) from mando and it would have looked it would have looked perfect eventually 
everybody needs the volume. Everyone's going to end up getting a similar setup. Oh, easily. Easily nowadays. Star Trek Discovery is doing their own version of virtual environments now called an AR wall. Oh, dude, um, the, the Mandalorian is doing the, the rear, is it the rear projection or are ooh. they doing another technology? Because I know on solo, they use something called LED rear projection. I think they're doing the LED rear, rear projection. No, on, could, no, on Mando, it's, it's LED all, screens. Okay. It's not projection. It's screens yeah. that are tiled yeah. and uh Batman, the Batman used it. Yeah. Yes. I know and that. Thor, uh, love and thunder will be the first Marvel film to use it. So, it's definitely a game changer. And 100%. once it becomes, it's going to take about three or four years for it to be used. The cost has to come down. Yes. Yeah. The and cost then eventually that cost will get cheaper and then TV shows will start utilizing it. And once that happens, it's going to change the way visuals look in TV. It's going to help all yeah. these shows that suffer yep. oh, yeah. with, with horrendous CGI. Now they can put, they can use their budget more wisely because now when they need to use CGI to sweeten the shot, they'll have a lot more money to do the details. There's a whole industry of people that specialize in color grading mm-hmm. and composite work and rotoscope work that's going fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah. My, well, I think I the rotoscopers are okay because they're I, like, thank you for putting me out of work. I hate my job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just thought about this though, Mike. Think about this too. Is like, yeah, the the effects in the episode were not that great, but the writing carried it. That's yep. the what I was gonna say. Yeah, it. that's no, what I, I just realized right now. I'm like, like, I agree with I agree with your guys's assessment that basically, if there is a negative that we could say about like the episode, it's the it's the effects work. That's usually because it's very rudimentary, but. That just shows how good the writing was because the writing that's covered only it up. Knit. Yeah. yeah the well, that's what I, it up. that's what I typically say, Dave, when we're talking about pretty much anything, I think the closest thing would be, I say recently would be Obi-Wan, like the, Obi-Wan, the series. I, I love it. I think it's really, really well done. There are certain things that make me shrug. I'm like, I don't know if that would work necessarily in my mind, but because the writing is so consistent and we actually have a legitimate star Wars show here on our hands, I'm like, hey, listen, the story's fucking fantastic. The acting is great from Ewan McGregor. So I'm I'm okay with these little things that that otherwise, if your series was written poorly, like Boba Fett, I would be ripping it to shreds. Ripping it to shreds. And that's how I feel about Superman. Because the writing is so tight. And consistent. And consistent that the little things that might bug. I just ignore it. It just rolls right off because think about that consistency. I mean, that scene that we're talking about where Clark is teaching Jordan, it came after a very serious, intense scene for Jordan where he, I believe he was talking, he was trying to talk to Lana and see if he could see Sarah. He got put into place and he yeah, got put he in his did. place and it was an intense scene. Yeah. And then you, you crushed, you, you, he was crushed. I have to say the acting in that scene was just genius because I can't. Re- I keep forgetting the the kid's name who plays Jordan, but he does amazing. He did really doing his well. reactions, it, it, and he acts so naturally. I truly felt sorry for for Jordan, and then you jump to him being taught by Clark, and Clark is ta- talking to him about everything. And I don't know. It's I like Jordan, but I kind of want to punch him sometimes. You do. I want to give him a little noogie. Is that what they're called? And I want to like give him a toilet bowl. But that's the thing. I want to be a bully to him. Like that, he just has that face. But that's the thing. You have a face that needs to be bullied. <laughs> 
but that's the thing. Jordan that's is so the Jordan's the person that you want to you you imagine getting picked on, but you also feel he's very easy I to was feel Jordan sorry for. In high school, thanks, yeah. Mike. You you, oh. you feel sorry for him. You're like that. going, okay, come on, pick yourself up, kid. Let's go. You know, yeah. you, and if then I was Lon, I would have put him in place too. I'm like, get the fuck out of here with your dopey look. <laughs> my daughter, look at my daughter. Look at, look at her. Look at her. What is she doing with you? Look at you. Although, no, 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 no. I'm going to say something. If there is one character that I just want to punch in the face, it's Sarah. <laughs> what? Last, last episode. Was it last episode, Steve? Was it you and I or two episodes ago where I was kind of like, she did bother me a little bit with the whole breakup thing, how she's oh, singing. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah, did yeah. mention that. Okay. And that's, that's the thing that basically I carried on into this episode. I'm like, like no, if there's one character I want to punch in the face or at least like sit down and say, Hey, you're being a bitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> David, very, bitch. very aggressive. I, get I, over yourself. I, Just get over yourself. Okay. I, I would rather, <laughs> I still, I would rather punch her little sister. <laughs> She's how, just how old is Sarah in real life? Do we know the actor? She is nineteen, I think. Her little sister. I wanted to. I I want to smack her or punch her. Especially, I think we talked about this, Michael. Yeah. She made that reference to uh, <laughs> a YouTuber snipe to the YouTuber. <laughs> the YouTuber. Uh, that was that was cringy. So the Cushing family is on the men's, possibly. You know, put a little question mark there. Yeah, Kyle sure seems to think he Kyle might be. He he's putting the charm on. I mean, and he is getting happy. He's smiling. He saw their that their wedding picture is still on the yeah on, on the her credenza, desk. Yeah, yeah. So it does seem like it's going in that direction. But I'm wondering what will Lana's doppelganger change? Like what? Oh, with yeah. Lana's doppelganger coming back to the, you know what needs to happen, Mike? She needs to come back. Change clothes into Lana clothes. Oh, and have sex and, with Kyle. And fuck Kyle, just oh, like Boomer did. That would be awesome. Just like Boomer did in Battlestar <laughs> with, right. with, with Carl Agathon. And then at the very end, uh, tell him that basically, guess what? My first boyfriend was Clark. <laughs> and um, Clark is Superman. <laughs> Play so, mind games. Overall, though, I'm pretty much okay with the... It's weird. It took all season... But at the end, I'm actually okay with the whole Cushing family drama. And maybe yeah. it's because Lana is a now, she's in the circle, even yes, though she doesn't want to be in the circle, yeah, yeah. the circle of trust. You know, yep. she knows the, the secrets. And maybe that's why I now look at this entire situation differently, because now her stories are connected, at least by knowledge. Yeah. Well, not only that, Mike, I mean, like Steve hit it, or hit it on the head earlier. I mean, the way that the writers have been using the Cushing family is almost kind of like a parallel to what's going on. Absolutely. And doing something like that, especially in this past episode, I think helps with the consistency of the writing because while we're watching the Cushing's family drama, that's the stuff that I've always been worried about, but because it's tied thematically to the writing, to the narrative, it's, it's almost like it's smooth. It's, it seems like it goes over over us as the audience much more easy not jarring do because we, do you're we, dealing with a uh, you're dealing with a similar theme that the other characters are dealing with but do we want Kyle to win her back i don't know but okay so that goes into i have a question too and maybe it'll answer yours so obviously there's the parallel between the families 
but they're on opposite sides of the spectrum now. The Kyle or the Cushing family seems to be coming together. In fact, I would say at the end of the episode is probably the strongest we've ever seen them. And then on the opposite side, we have the Kent family that's literally falling apart. Yes. Is there a reason behind this? Now, when you take into account Lana's decision to remove herself from danger by being involved with them, is there some type of messaging? Is there a reason why they're doing this? Are they trying to create an allegory that the Kent family is parasitic? Like, what are they trying to say? Because the moment Lana separates herself, their life was on track. Does it have to do with lies? Lana is being honest. Kyle's being honest. Sarah has an open line of communication now with both of her parents. I think you're on. Are something, they trying Sherlock? to say that honesty? It's about creating a dialogue and talking to one yes. another. And then you have another family that's been mired in secrecy for years, for years from all directions with the general lane, with yeah. the daughters, with, with the daughters, with each other, with with Clark, with and, his Clark and like everybody over there is, uh, that's the thing about like, after this episode, I was like going, I, this show tackles so many themes. And one of the themes that I, I think you guys talked about in the last episode too, when I read, when I listened to you guys in that last episode, you mm -hmm. guys were talking about the fact about lies. Lies can destroy the little white lies. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the themes here is like showing the consequences of those lies. That this is what it might have been a little white lie. It might have been a little white lie for Clark to actually keep his secret identity from uh, from Lana, but the consequences were huge. Yeah, there's, the a, end, there's a cost. There's a cost. I when you guys were talking it, yeah. about it in the last episode, I was like thinking to myself, I'm going, it reminds me of like the Dark Knight. In the very end, what happens? The op, the way this show portrays the consequences of the little white lie is the opposite of Batman and the dark Knight. Mm -hmm. in the dark Knight, the, 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 the lesson is it's okay to keep those little white lies because you're at the end of the day, that person can't handle the truth. Mm -hmm. Humanity can't handle the truth. So you tell those little, little white lies to protect them. Yeah. Here it's saying, no, 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 no. You, you can tell that and you could take that idea, but you're forgetting there's consequences, there's consequences. If the truth comes out, you know what they need to name the last episode? Liar, liar. No. Hands on fire. Truth, lies, and Superman capes. Oh, that's Ooh, a, good a good name. One. That'd be a good one. That's pretty good. I like that. But like, that's that's the one thing I think is really cool about like the the parallel of the Cushing family and the Kent family at this point is you're seeing the consequences of all the Kents, and it's not saying the Kents it's were bad. No, all their lies, the, the lies that they were telling to each other was because they felt they were protecting each other. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think I, I think what the writers are doing, they're doing it purposely, obviously. But oh, yeah, yeah. most of the audiences aren't digging deep like we do in this in this show. So no one's going to think, oh, they're making the kids look bad and the Cushing's are good. But the idea that they're doing it, that's how you do proper subtext when you're yes. trying to express a thought. Well, and, and, and a good analog to this lie that they've kept in their family for so long with the kids in particular, and we maybe had mentioned this before. It's like, if it's like if the kids had been adopted, but were never told they were adopted. We're adopted. Exactly. Right. Like you think you might be doing them a service, but 
what happens if and when they find out the truth. Yeah. It will it will break the family uh bond. Bond. I mean, even even as comic book fans, comic book fans anywhere should should really be familiar with the idea that there is no such thing there's there's such a thing as good lies, but there's always consequences. I mean, in the same universe in the comic, yeah. In the yeah. same comic universe in DC, we see it firsthand every time in comics. Every time you pick up a Batman comic, what is, what is the one flaw of Bruce Wayne? He keeps everything to himself and keeps secrets. He never manages to do anything. Never, Gotham's the same. Yeah, Gotham's the same all the time. Why? Because he keeps everything to himself. <laughs> Except his identity. Like 400 people know that fucking thing. And yet no one actually <laughs> no one does anything about it. All right. So we got to wrap up there, our discussion. That kind of answers your question too, Steve. Yeah. Will Kyle be forgiven? Will he end up with Lana? I think that's the point. I think that is, in fact, what we'll see at the end because of the truth element, because of the honesty. All right, Dave, do you want to start us off with a very brief, because we're already past the hour. Very brief final thoughts and your RMD score. Okay, for RMD score, because I've been gone for a while, I hope that this aligns with where my scores were going. But, like, I am going to go with a 92. I really like this episode. I mean, I'm really psyched to see what the penultimate episode is going to be. Because the, the cliffhanger of Clark essentially Superman is dead. And they did the super death of Superman storyline only with a, uh, only in a different, different spectrum is yeah. amazing. So yep. now I'm, I want to know what are they going to do? How are they going to actually defeat Allie? Yep. Yeah. All right, Steve, go. I'm giving it a 90, and I, I just want to say that compared to my last episode comments towards Natalie, this one, she really won me back. Of how oh, she, right. how yeah. she stood up to her dad, the points that she made, it, it, she put him in his place, and good on her because— Jesus, you hate, <laughs> you hate parents. You can tell Steve's not a dad either because I was like, you fucking little shit. You're 15 years old. Go to your room. <laughs> But she That's was, how Mike would react. But she wasn't wrong. I would say it's super kind because I'm a nice dad, but I'm like, listen, you're not going to go. You're not going to go there with me. You're not going to put yourself in danger. I don't care how smart you are. Go finish school and then we'll talk when you're of age. And that'll be a nice, you know, the ripe old age of 50. Okay. Oh, man, she she was on point. I got to hand it to her. So, But Mike is right. As a parent. That's how that's how a parent should react. Yeah, <laughs> or you have a mature discussion and you say, you know what, you're you're right. I made a mistake. Uh, let's both grow from this. <laughs> that's I'm like, have you ever heard of a 15 year late abortion? Because oh my it, god, <laughs> that's <laughs> murder, <laughs> sir. Listen, those are my freedoms. Okay, I'm allowed to do that. All right, uh, so you're giving it a 90. percent I'm yeah. gonna give it an 89. percent It would have gotten a 90. And I really want to give it a 91 or a 90, but the, the visual effects, they, they weren't good. And no matter how great the writing is, I just can't over, overlook that when I'm, doing, when I'm doing the score. I love this show. I think it's very good. But I really wish this show would have been produced for HBO Max. Oh, I, easily, yes. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine if we had the same writers with an HBO Max budget? Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, yeah. dude, look at Titans and, and Doom yeah. Patrol. It'd be amazing. It'd be yeah. amazing. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Steve and Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Who are you bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time? When you came here, you had an hour. Now it's less. 